0: Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Some of you, I think, are familiar with the movie The Truman Show, a story somewhat like Nicodemus about one man's journey for truth. Truman Burbank is a man who has grown up and lived every minute of his life in a television studio, in fact, the largest studio ever built, complete with a town on an island surrounded by water that appears to be an ocean. Here's the catch. Truman thinks his world is real, but everyone, in fact, in his world is a paid actor. Every ray of sunshine is from a giant light bulb. All of this orchestrated inside a giant dome by the director. Truman is, in fact, the subject of an all-around-the-clock TV show called The Truman Show. But Eventually, he picks up clues that his world is, in fact, not real. That he's trapped and he's not really living. So one night under the cover of darkness, he sets out on a journey to discover the real world at the end of his not real world. The creator of the TV show, of course, tries to catch him and and discourage him before he breaks free from the deception. But Truman prevails until he literally sails and reaches the end of the world as he knows it and is faced with a decision about where to go from there. Let's take a look at sort of the poetry of this moment when he butts up against the end of the the fake world. And uh, let's take a look. And a conversation ensues. Have you ever felt like your life was counterfeit, shallow, flat, lacking in depth, dimension, or transcendence. Perhaps we're all a little bit like Truman at some point. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, I haven't given away the ending yet. You don't know whether he walks through the door. A long time ago, there was a man named Nicodemus who, like Truman, felt in his gut that something was missing, that somehow his world was a shallow imitation of what was really real. A man named Jesus had spoken with authority about the kingdom of God being near, and Nicodemus wanted to find it, so he sought out Jesus. Now, Nicodemus was one of the most powerful men in the Jewish world. He was a Pharisee, which was sort of like a bishop. Now, think of it. Nicodemus is highly educated, powerful, respected in his society, and wealthy. Yet somehow all those things, power, wealth, respect, knowledge, even uh, religion, seemed hollow and counterfeit on some level to Nicodemus. Perhaps he felt he was living only in a kingdom created by people, but not God. So one night in the darkness... set out to find Jesus and to talk to him. Now, it's not insignificant that Nicodemus went to Jesus in the dark. There's a double meaning here. It's actually quite rich. Darkness was in this culture a symbol of ignorance and separation from God. So the darkness clearly suggests that Nicodemus is experiencing a separation from God and his desire to move out of it into the light. But there is another sense to the darkness here. The ruling body of which Nicodemus was a part had not taken kindly to Jesus. They respected him, but clearly viewed him as a threat. So, Nicodemus showing an interest in Jesus would not have been particularly well received by Nicodemus's peers, right? Nicodemus needed to make this trip to Jesus under the cover of night, in secret. So, darkness also represents opportunity. Opportunity to seek truth and to embrace experiences that couldn't otherwise be pursued. Now, this view of darkness is seen in a long-standing rabbinic tradition of Jesus' time, namely, studying God's law at night by candlelight. So, darkness is also an unencumbered space and time to seek and to learn. A brilliant example of such uh, flourishing in darkness is found during the period of slavery in America. Slaves were not allowed to assemble in Christian worship on their own, only if their master invited them to worship with his family. It's it's well known, in fact, that slaves were inspired by the story of Nicodemus going out at night to seek Jesus because, like Nicodemus, they too were forbidden for different reasons to assemble in Jesus' name. And so, sometimes slaves would use the cover of night to assemble in Christian worship and worship in their own way, in their own language. It was likely at such times that they created African-American spirituals. And so, Nicodemus finds Jesus. And rather than ask him a question, he merely states, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs That you do apart from the presence of God. I think that Jesus quickly perceived that Nicodemus was a seeker who was having doubts about the world he lived in, doubts that his religious life wasn't adequately tethered to the divine and the transcendent. What What if the world of the Pharisee was as scripted and controlled and counterfeit as Truman's world? Maybe the question lurking underneath. So Jesus cuts to the chase. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Sometimes translated, born again. The word see here, by the way, means to experience, to participate in, to be a part of. It's more than just passively seeing. Well, reasons Nicodemus. How can I be born more than once? (laughs) Not tracking. Jesus responds, No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. In other words, a birth, he's describing, that is from the waters of the natural world, where we come from, but from the spirit of God, too. This means to participate in a new creation that is birthed and nurtured within the old of our daily lives, water, and spirit. So, this is no self-improvement program. We cannot say, I'm going to be born again today, that's what I'm going to do, or I'm going to go birth myself today. This, of course, is something that's given to you, this birth from above, just like your natural birth. You don't choose it. Jesus likens it to the wind. We don't control it at all. And yet, we experience the wind, don't we? It comes to us. In Jesus, God promises that it comes to us. And all we can do is receive it in faith and say, Thank you, Jesus. For God indeed so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Believe it. It doesn't say exactly how Nicodemus responded to this conversation at night. Didn't clearly walk through a door like Truman uh, may have done. And yet, from accounts later in the Gospels, it's clear that Nicodemus was changed. He was a defender of Jesus later on and eventually helped fund Jesus' burial. I think you and I are a bit like Nicodemus. We too have questions and are seeking truths not entirely clear to us as we live in a a very pluralistic and oftentimes not very spiritual world. What does Jesus have to offer us? How does our faith relate to other faiths? Why does my life sometimes seem very shallow? Does our participation in the kingdom of God include the present, or is it, just, is it just the next life? And as a church, if we're honest, we're like Nicodemus II, or should be. We don't see clearly where things are headed. We, we fear that our church life might be missing something essential for the immediate future, and we want to discover what that is because we care about our church. And yet we also fear the questions not being in control. Well, just remember what little control we have over the wind. I want to close today in praise of darkness. The darkness that we find in our text. The darkness that signifies inquiry, and learning, a safe space to pursue questions, conversations, and discernment, just like Nicodemus, the darkness that means that we recognize our own ignorance and our separation from God. In the midst of such darkness, we are being called today to seek conversations with the living God, and because we do not know the way to learn to let God lead us. I would even suggest to you that our future depends on not being afraid of the dark, but rather fostering and embracing these kinds of spaces where seeking and conversation can take place with Jesus and with each other. How effective are we at Mount Carmel at providing this kind of darkness safe space to pursue questions and seek a deeper truth. Here's the great part. John 3, 16 again. We do not need to be afraid of this darkness for the simple reason that Jesus meets us there and Jesus is trustworthy with this proclamation. In faith, we are born from above and participants in the kingdom of God. So, like Truman... Walk through that door. Amen.